On this episode of the Loud Outs Podcast, Max Scherzer facing a suspension. Fernando Tatis Jr.'s suspension is about over. And a new position for Mookie Betts, that and much more on the Loud Outs Podcast. And it starts right now. Okay, welcome into another edition of Loud Outs, the podcast here. CJ Nikowski, Ryan Spielborgs, and once again, we got a ton to get into, and we want to jump right into this Max Scherzer situation. Max Scherzer ejected from his start against the Los Angeles Dodgers for a sticky stuff violation, and this whole situation, Spilly, uh, was sticky. Sorry about the bad dad joke there, but this one was kind of interesting for a lot of different reasons. One, we have a common denominator in Phil Cuzzy, who seems to be involved in all of these. There haven't been very many, just three over the last couple of seasons. He has been there for all of them. The other issue here is that Max Scherzer is 100% convinced he did nothing wrong. Uh, this was a rosin issue, but it was very dramatic. Like the whole situation here where they kept checking him, they checked his glove, they told me he had to go change his glove, told me he had to go wash his hands. There's an MLB official down there watching him. <laughs> He's putting alcohol on his hands to make sure that he gets enough of he the rosin. He should drank the off. alcohol. All of it, man. It's it's wild. But i got to tell you, a couple of different things here that stick out. But one in particular, I don't like this whole idea of you come off after an inning and it's like, well, your hands are too sticky, go wash them. Either then that means you cheated at that point. Like if you think that you're that a player's a pitcher's hands in that position, he just finishes an inning and is like, nope, that's not good enough. Well, that just means that he had an inning where he was doing something that, in your opinion, is against the rules. Now I get it; it's very subjective because they're feeling your hands. But I didn't like that part of it. But what a crazy game this was between the New York Mets and the Dodgers with Max Scherzer not only getting ejected, but very likely has a ten-game suspension coming because of it. Oh my gosh, you're right. I mean, that, I I thought about that today. I was like, okay. Somebody has to get suspended. CJ, if if Scherzer doesn't get suspended, then Phil needs to get suspended. I mean, like that's that's a fact. Someone someone is going to have to wear this one. I do like that Buck Walter at the end of it said, Hey, we, we still won this baseball game. You know, we, we didn't just get up and go home. Yeah. We won the game. So before we listen to Max Scherzer's comments, I want to point some things out. Now we have we heard about the memo that was sent out before the start of the season about how umpires were going to be really kind of they're going to be very stringent on like making sure pitchers were getting checked. They were going to do a good job of it. And so I went to Baseball Savant and I, I was curious if there was any increases in spin rates because usually that's what we see when it comes yeah. to sticky stuff. And in this case, it's yeah okay. So fastball four seam for Max Scherzer. In today's game was up. Um, you know, he had a max of, of 2741 uh on his fastball on his four seam. The year average was at 2400. Um, uh, but overall the average for today's game was at you know plus 82. Mm-hmm. Plus 82 is not that big of a deal. Plus 82 is not a lot. I mean, like if you're if you're seeing like big jumps in spin rates or sticky substance, it's usually 200, 300 uh rpm and, and in this case it's it's really it's very very small it's minute uh minute at the most but there are some slight increases and so you could say well you know was it a day game was it dodger stadium versus where he's pitched in the past we do know that scherzer was dealing with a little bit of injury um there's some little fatigue coming out of spring training hasn't pitched exceptionally well so you know maybe he's amped up so there, there's there's natural causes for a for a small uptick hmm. Nothing here like we saw with Spider Tack. 
No. CJ, we go back to the spider tack days and guys were having big old increases mm. in spin. I mean, we were having 2,800s from players that have never had 2,800s on forcing fastball. So, I mean, like, and some of the spin rate numbers have kind of evened out. Like, Garrett Cole is is right around where he's normally been, and this was somebody that was a big, you know, <laughs> suspected user of this stuff. Um, I think it was an issue, even hearing, I mean, for example, Tyler Glass now, Tampa Bay Rays, he he pointed to, you know, the league and, and saying all of a sudden you can't use – this tact and it forced him to hold the ball tighter. And as a byproduct, he had Tommy John. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do I think there should be something that major league baseball should be looking at when it comes to, to like tacky substance? Yeah. Uh, but in this case specifically, since we're only allowed to have sweat and rosin now go back one more step. And some players were using sunscreen and rosin yeah. now sunscreen and rosin is different than sweat and rosin sunscreen and rosin actually does increase it to a level where you, it's it's not cool mm -hmm. so a day game dodger stadium is it possible that scherzer had sunscreen on i would expect so um there are wow. some sunscreens see, I would think, that... no see i think you can't take that chance of putting it on should you be putting it on you should but if it gets extra sticky, and I think it's probably a fair point and wondering, you know, we'll, we'll listen to him here in a second and try to read between the lines a little bit. But uh, if there was sunscreen, which, you know, he probably couldn't even say that he had it on because then, of course, there's going to be a lot of speculation about you know, what the intent was. And while you should be wearing sunscreen, of course, was it uh, in the sun. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm thinking as, as a pitcher at this point, you probably shouldn't be at all, at least not on your arms. I don't know what you do about it because it's not the safest thing. But if it's going to make your hands stickier, then that's going to be problematic. Now, Phil Cuzzy was the home plate umpire. Dan Bellino was on this crew as well. They said after the game, this was the stickiest a hand has been since I've been inspecting hands. This was Dan Bellino, which goes back three seasons. Now, that's still not enough for me, right? I mean, st st the sticky is fine. Is it illegal or was it not illegal? This is so subjective. He said it was so sticky that when we touched Max Scherzer's hand, our fingers were sticking to his hand. I mean, that... To me, okay, if that's the case, then you then you probably made the right decision. I yeah. have a hard time believing that, though, Spilly. Even if I have a little pine tar on my fingers, when you're checking my hand, I don't believe that it's necessarily going to stick uh, to your hand. But the umpires feel pretty strongly about it. It's subjective. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, it's an opinion. It's not there, there, like CJ. When it, when, when we do, you know, like if there's a, you know, you're doing a, a. a, a you know, you get pulled over by by a police officer, and you have Not to me. blow for the blood. I haven't done that, but if you blow for a blood, there's an actual number yeah. that pops up. It's not subjective. It's not like a, a cop's like, oh, I smell your your breath, and it smells worse than any breath I've ever smelled before. There's an actual yeah. test. There's a litmus <laughs> test. Yeah. There's if you're dehydrated, <laughs> you, you you pee on this thing, and it tells you, yeah, look, you're dehydrated. Yeah. In this case, it's Bolino. In Phil Cuzzy's opinion, mm. like, okay, if you want to get to the point, if you really do, and, and like, I, I'm all for this. Could you imagine a tack guide? You know, like, they come out, they brust out the, like, this uh, tack yeah. guide, and they go, okay, well, this is what illegal tack feels like. Let me uh -huh. feel you. Yep. That's, that is the even Steven. Tacometer. Uh, 
the tackle meter. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, we, we should. They gotta, we it's should an interesting that. point because while they trained them this offseason to kind of look for certain things and, and they tested these umpires, I heard Andy Martino talking about it. I thought it was pretty interesting and all they went through this past offseason. Uh, it's still going to be subjective, right? You're getting tested for something and how it feels, and it's not going to be uniform. Um, but this was brutal. They made him change his glove, uh, which I'm thinking, okay, well, if you if you already have rosin on your hand, is it going to be a little extra stick in your glove? I didn't like – I don't want to see umpires. That would bother me a lot, quite honestly, watching an umpire stick his hand in my glove. I understand why they're doing it. That would I would not sit well with me and understand why it didn't sit well uh, with Max Scherzer. They made him change his glove, and he was pretty frustrated. Let's let's listen uh, to Max Scherzer and what he had to say after the game. He was not happy. So after the second inning, uh, you know, my hand it was a little clumpy uh, from the rosin sweat that was clumpy, and Phil was told me to wash off, so I washed it off. Uh, you know, came back out there after the third. You know, with alcohol. You know, I washed it with alcohol um, and rosin, and when I went back out there. Um, you know, the alcohol for a little bit there can be sticky if, in rosin. It, that can happen. So he's like, that's too sticky. You need to go back on there, wash it off again, and reapply uh, the rosin. And so I did that. And then at the same time, he thought my glove had too much rosin on it. And I was like, okay, if that's a problem, you know, there's, there's nothing going on. It, you know, he's like, you need a new glove. Like, okay. So I come back out, uh, pitch the third. Uh, and knew I was going to get checked in the fourth. So I, I'd have to be an absolute idiot to do, try to do anything when I'm coming back out for the fourth. After that third inning, um, I'm in front of the MLB official that's, that's underneath here. I wash my hand with alcohol in front of the official. Um, I then apply a rosin, and then I grab sweat. Um, when I, then, I then go back out there, and Phil Cuzzy says that my hand's too sticky. Uh, I, I don't get it. Yes, when you use sweat and rosin, your hand is sticky. But I don't get how I get ejected when I'm, when I'm in front of MLB officials doing exactly, exactly what you want and being deemed my hand's too sticky when I'm using legal substance. I do not understand that. I kept repeating, I sweat and rosin. I swear on my life, it's sweat and rosin. I'm not using anything else. This is sweat and rosin, sweat and rosin. I keep saying it over and over, and they touch my hand, they say it's sticky. And I, like, yes, it is, because it's sweat and rosin. And they say it's too sticky. They threw me out because of that. If he thought my, I, he thought I had too much rosin on my glove, and okay, I mean, we're pitchers, we have rosin. There's a little rosin on my glove, that's fine. Get a new glove. Go out there and pitch. That's fine. When I go out there for the fourth, like I said, I did exactly what exactly what you're supposed to do. What do you think, Billy? Sweat and rosin. That might be a pretty good name for Max Scherzer's podcast if he ever wants to go down uh, the <laughs> podcast path. I think it'd be a good one. But, you know, it's an interesting point. How much you're sweating, right? You mentioned a warm day in Los Angeles, and ultimately, what did that do to the rosin? Did it actually make it? stickier i think that's a real possibility and everybody's hands are different i had a buddy in high school we always used to tease him right he had sweaty palms clammy yeah, hands sweaty palms, yeah. and then you get guys like i will tell you that was probably the opposite where my hands didn't sweat a lot and so they got a little bit slicker uh, at times but then you have different atmospheres different temperatures that are going to bring out some different uh, sweat and so maybe a little bit more today in los angeles and it made it more sticky i believe max scherzer i don't believe there was anything else there um you never know right I mean, you got to be careful guys are always going to look for an edge but i believe him uh, but this is not uh, not a great thing for baseball because he is now. Listen, they got to stick to their guns. He's now going to get suspended for ten days. I can't imagine that That's he doesn't crazy. unless we find something else here with 
you know, feel cuzzy or they feel like Major League Baseball feels like, you know what, they didn't go about this the right way. Now the Mets won the game, so they're probably not going to be too upset about that because had they lost the game and Max Scherzer got kicked out after the third, they'd probably be even more angry. But they won the game, played a good game. Buck Showalter talked about that after the fact. But uh, he's got to get the 10-game suspension. I mean, Major League Baseball really doesn't mess around when they do these things, uh, whether it's, you know, instituting the pitch clock from the very beginning. There's no kind of get-to-know-you period. The rules are the rules are the rules, and I believe Max Scherzer, and it feels like this was just a situation where you had rosin, a hot day, and a lot of sweat and sweating rosin, and sweating rosin, as he kept going on and on about sweating rosin. But I buy it, Spilly. What would you think of Max Scherzer's comments after the game? I mean, he was he was swearing on family members. So, I mean, I, this one is is kind of tricky because it feels shades of gray. You know, in the case of, of Phil Cousy, I always used to call him Phil Cousy. I always wanted to drink nice. Phil Cousy. I think that's a great way to keep your beer or any of your adult beverages nice and cold during a hot summer day. Uh, I mean, like we're talking sweat and rosin podcast for Max Scherzer, the Phil Cousy, the Phil Cousy Cousy would be a really no. good marketing play. It sticks to your hand. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we could do this all day long. Yeah, I, I guess in the case, look, veteran umpires are going to protect players. It felt like in the first case where he says, hey, like, go get this thing cleaned up, mm. right? Like, go, go clean it up. He's he's giving a, a fair warning. Yeah. And. To go to the to go to the dugout and then do it in front of a um, a rep, you know, like he does it right in front of him. So he's and and Max is telling you, he's like, I, I I would be an idiot. I know I'm gonna get I'm I'm about to get looked at. You know, what what like I'm doing everything within protocol. And what's what's crazy about it too? I look up Jimmy Yacobonis's numbers from today's game, uh-huh. uh, and he had increases in spin rate. Okay. So. Uh, Again, it to me this seems like an environmental uptick when yeah. it comes to spin rate specific to Dodger Stadium. Could Maybe be, the yeah. radar was off some. So if you if you're gonna go and look for tangible evidence and and you know the umpires are gonna say, Hey, like check this out, even the numbers are up. Well, so are Jimmy Yacobonis's numbers and so are um Adam Ottavino's numbers yeah. on, on spin rate, and so are um, Alex Vasilla's numbers, and and so is Yancy Almonte's numbers, right? right? Like so, yeah. all these guys that played in the game that weren't either Max Scherzer or even Met saw some increase in in today. So, I mean, does does a warm a warm day in April increase spin rate? Yeah, we know that because you know the hotter hotter the temperatures are, the less resistance and the more spin you're going to get. I mean, like, yeah. come on, it's basic science, duh. Uh, Bring up a good I, point, though. I wonder, should that be part of this? Like the appeal process, which I don't even know if it's going to exist because it seems like it's an automatic 10-game suspension. But perhaps you're taking the average spin rate, say, of your last five games. Uh, but then, of course, as you mentioned also, you have some different things going on temperature-wise. And is there a you know plus-minus that we're comfortable with? Obviously, it would be more about the plus. You know, If you increase less than 5% uh, and you got caught with something, that perhaps that suspension goes away, right? Because obviously we don't want to see a huge jump in spin rate. We know that. Major League Baseball cracking down, having these meetings this past winter because we were seeing uh, maybe a little bit more of an increase than they were comfortable with. So should that be maybe part of this is that you look at a player who was, you know, who's absolutely saying it didn't happen, and if I don't have numbers that are so far out of range, then I don't deserve a suspension. Anyway, if he doesn't say it, you know, should that just be the backup to all of this? Because it seems really subjective. I heard Max Scherzer talking earlier this week that perhaps there should just be a major league official, like whoever it was down there watching him wash his hands with rubbing alcohol, be the person who's deciding after innings. He, he feels like it shouldn't be done on the field. 
the spectacle that kind of happens on the field. The problem with that is if there's a check going on and it leads to something, we're all going to be in the dark and have no idea what's going on because we didn't see it. But maybe that's maybe that's the play after the fact, checking spin rates, coming up with some kind of system and some kind of number, whatever it might be, 5%, I don't know what it would be. You say as long as you're not over that, you will not get suspended for 10 games. Uh, I mean, that makes a lot more sense. But again, like health has a big deal with it you know what if a guy changes some mechanical flaws that he had in the week and he's he's snapping his wrist a little bit more and he's actually increasing his spin rate uh i mean there it's just you, you go down a slippery slope i mean i, I really uh, as crazy as it sounds it's like you almost need the painter's uh template you know like mm-hmm. hey i want this to be white well not that white i want this white i mean like <laughs> it needs to be you know here's what the tack should feel like and yeah. and in this case again it, it to me it's it's not objective. It's very subjective, which is why Phil Cuzzy has been a part of three of them. It's been his opinion uh, that certain guys have broken the rules. And for other players, if it was checked by Dan Bellino or if it's checked by, you know, Chad Fairchild or whoever else is out there, Cuzzy's line in the sand is different. Yeah. That's, that, the, problem. that's the part yeah. that's a problem. That I is agree. a problem. Major League Baseball, listen, it's going to get addressed somehow. Max Scherzer, we know, is going to have a big voice with this. Uh, Whether we actually see any change, we don't know. But it very does uh, very much feel like a 10-game suspension will be coming for uh, Max Scherzer. Let's move on to the uh, New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Angels. Pretty fun series going on in the Bronx right now. Game two completed. You and I are taping this on Wednesday night. We'll have a lot more time, by the way, if you're listening to this before uh, 3 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday. Spilly and I will be spending three hours together on MLB Network Radio so we get to dig even deeper uh, on these topics. But it's a lot of fun. Tuesday on the radio show, we talked about who we thought would have the most total bases uh, in this series. Would it be Judge? Would it be Trout? Would it be Otani? Or would you take the field? Uh, We'll get a little bit of better feel for that after the day game, which is on Thursday. So we'll be able to talk about that uh, on the show a little bit. But this has been a fun series. Uh, The Yankees end up winning uh, game two of this one. But Shohei Otani in New York. Uh, Spilly, it's always a treat. Doesn't happen much. He had a home run in game one, uh, which was good to see. He hadn't had a lot of success there. Mike Trout has had a ton, uh, but this is a fun series. We only get this in the Bronx once a year. Nothing changing with the new schedule, uh, but a pretty cool one to watch between these two so far. I think what stood out in tonight's game is Aaron Judge in center field. I mean, he made he made two really spectacular plays, robbing a home run uh, in center field off Otani was was really pretty cool. I mean, that's that's a six foot seven center fielder, MVP that hit sixty two homers last uh-huh. year. I mean, like that's really cool when you like like compartmentalize it and put that into like that's not your like this guy walks into a, a room and he has a duck mm-hmm. under the door frame and he is that athletic. And not only that play, he made one later on. I believe it was against Taylor Ward, lays out to, into the right center gap. Just a beautiful play. Like, yeah. Beautiful play. Beautiful athlete. You know, what he's capable of doing. Uh, I love the, that he's a captain, finally. I, I still wish it wasn't attached to a contract, which that'll always be the problem that I'll have with that. Put that scene on the, yeah. on, the, on the jersey. But, I mean, Judge, Otani, Trout, it has been, it's lived up to the billing. It's been fun. Um, you know, we, we saw, we saw Phil Nevin get ejected uh, yeah. late in the game. Check There's swing. a couple of runners swing. on. Yeah. Clay, Clay Holmes is pitching. He, he walks Otani. Uh, it, it would have been a bases loaded scenario with Anthony Rendon. And, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate 
again, like this is not a knock on umpires at all. Yeah. Um, I do like that in this case, it was the first base umpire that that called the check swing. Mm-hmm. So at, at least it's not the home plate umpire. There's already enough on the home plate umpire's plate. And so if I was Mike Trout and I did a check swing and the home plate umpire calls it, I, I'm all for getting thrown out there. Yeah. I think in the case of Phil Nevin, it's just super emotional. He was a third base coach for the Yankees a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. um, you know, there's there's the gaffe that he had, uh, and I don't think anybody ever forgave him in New York uh, because it was a chance to beat the Astros. So yeah. um, I, I I think Nevin was emotional, emotionally charged, and, you know, like, I'm I'm okay with the check swing being called by a first base umpire, yeah. but this what a fantastic series! What a it fantastic! We had series. one. We just got done. The Rangers did with a series against the Kansas City Royals, and Nathaniel Lowe got rung up by Bruce Dreckman as he was umping behind home plate. It oh was no! It wasn't even close. Like he did not swing, and the fact that there wasn't even an appeal, it almost feels like it should be automatic, right? If there's even a, a borderline possibility, if you're unsure. Just go ahead and look down at the third base or the first base umpire. Yeah. Let them take care of it. They got a much better view of it. I've never understood that. Um, if it's even borderline closer, you're kind of sure. Hey, listen, if you're kind of sure that he went or pretty confident he went, you know that the um, the line umpire is going to call it, right? Just let him have it. So anyway, by the time we do the show tomorrow, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday, uh, we will be into the day game, the rubber match of this series. But it's been a fun one uh, between these two so far. All right, we got some big news coming up uh, today here on Thursday, at least if you're a San Diego Padres fan. They'll be taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks on Thursday night, and they will be doing it, Spilly with Fernando Tatis Jr. in their lineup. Uh, they have been waiting for a while. He's finally activated, coming off of the uh, suspended list after that PED suspension. He crushed it, Spilly, in the minor leagues. It was unbelievable the numbers that he was putting up on the rehab. I'm wondering if that's going to be enough. You and I have talked about this a bunch leading up to the moment. The moment is now here for, for Fernando Tatis Jr. I think the Padres uh, eagerly awaiting uh, his arrival. You and I talked about this on the radio show the other day and digging into what's going on here with the San Diego Padres and and maybe some struggles and the fact that they could use a boost as much as they have uh, so many big names up and down that lineup, adding Fernando Tatis Jr. to a team that is 9-11 and uh, in third place right now, looking up at the Dodgers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Not what they certainly expected, uh, at least at this point in the season. Uh, but he is back. He's going to be in that lineup. It should be pretty exciting. I think he's going to get a nice ovation. They're on the road, but even when they get back to San Diego, he'll get booed a little bit for the rest of the way. Uh, that's just part of it when you come off a PED suspension, but no doubt welcomed with open arms back in San Diego and more importantly, back in that clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's a lot to unpack here. Let, let's start with the minor league numbers because I think they're, they're worthy just reading them out loud. They sound crazy. 33 at-bats. 17 uh, hits and 33 at bats. He was in AAA playing for uh, El Paso. Uh, seven home runs, seven home runs in 33 at bats, 15 stakes, two stolen bases. It's a 515 batting average, a 590 on base percentage, and 1800 OPS. Uh, and I know the PCL is it's known for you know driving balls all over the place, but that's that's insane. Mm-hmm. As far as like adding Tatis to the clubhouse, I think he's earned it back. Um, you know, he, he's shown contrition. I think he, you know, he, he was, he's a, come on. He's a 23 year old kid last year. That was a total buffoon. Mm. You know, the motorcycle accident was idiotic. Uh, shouldn't have been doing that. And then beyond that, you know, getting popped for a PD when you were coming back and like, it opens up, it opens up questions that I never wanted to have about Fernando, 
which is you can't tell me that's the first time you've ever taken something mm. and you got popped. Like the one time he did it, like that's when he got popped. So now I have this, you know, we have this question mark, which I wish I never had. Yeah. It's there. You earned it. You did it. You did it. I didn't. Um, so now there's a question mark behind you. As far as the skill set, I think the Padres need them. Um, the Padres really do, you know, like it was really nice to see Juan Soto hit a big home run today. It was one to nothing Padres over the Braves. The Braves really handed it to San Diego yeah. again. Padres, Padres are really good. The Braves are way better. Mm. Braves are way better. Um, and I'm sad that we're not going to see Padres Braves until possibly the postseason. Yeah. And and the the last little part on this one, too, as much as you know, the Padres need Fernando, and I think the fans are gonna give him guff, which he deserves. He earned it. Um, in a month's time, it's gonna be fine. But still think about this, CJ. If I have this correct, he is not eligible for this year's postseason. That's right. You're, I, I believe you are correct on that. I hadn't thought about that. hadn't dug into that much at all. But the rule is, yes, if you had served a PED suspension, you were ineligible for the postseason. Unless that changed with the new CBA, and I'm unaware that there's been any changes uh, in that regard. I believe you're right. Uh, so that is an interesting factor here that probably nobody in San Diego really wants to talk about. Uh, you mentioned the 1-0 win for them today, but they had been or are now 2-6 and six in their last eight. Uh, they lost the first two to the Atlanta Braves, including that 8-1 drubbing that they took, and they've lost a couple of close games. 2-0 to the Braves, 1-0 to the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, and so these close games, another one-run game to kick off that uh, four-game series they had with Milwaukee that they dropped, and then there was a couple of blowouts in each direction, 11-2 uh, and 10-3. Uh, but they haven't been winning the close games either, uh, which has been a little bit problematic. And so perhaps this boost is what uh, they need. What about lineup-wise? We saw Juan Soto batting third today in this game. He hit that solo home run that you mentioned um, that won it for him. They went Grisham, Machado, Soto, Bogarts, Cobra, uh, Carpenter, Cronenworth. Right, Kind of an interesting way. You and I have talked so much about this San Diego Padres uh, lineup, but the fact that Juan Soto was hitting third today, he's talked about loving second, but the numbers actually have been better for him in the third and the fourth spot. I had a couple of hits, had the home run in the RBI uh, today. But Machado second, is that any kind of indication on what might be happening uh, with this lineup uh, when we do see Fernando Tatis Jr. in it tomorrow? I think he was Charlie Morton. They got the start, so they they wanted to put somebody in front. Um, my my guess is what's going to happen is you're going to have Fernando lead off, Juan Soto second, Machado third, Bogarts four, and Cronenworth fifth. That's mm-hmm. and Cronenworth has been struggling too. That's that's yeah. my guess out of out of like what I've seen. Um, I think ideally, if if I was in charge of writing the Padres lineup, I'm I'm mixing things up a little bit. Yeah. I, I want to get Cronenworth heated up. I also want to take pressure off Soto. Um, I like Soto's swing, even though he's pulled to right field. Much better at bats um, the last couple of days, so I was happy to see it. He's still walking at a really high rate. I, I still think the Tatis, Cronenworth, Machado, Bogarts, Soto, that five pair is mm. unbelievable yeah. uh, because Cronenworth is a walk, and then you still have Soto with a walk at five, and then he can back up Soto um, with whoever you want. I mean, that could be Matt Carpenter. It could be Nelson Cruz. It could, I mean, like you pick your poison, uh, mm-hmm. but there, I mean, like to have a Bogarts, Bogart Soto back to back at four and five in RBI spots. Uh, I mean, like the whole thing's nasty. So if Soto was in a better spot, I mean, the one, two of Fernando Soto would be unbelievable, but it's not there. Mm-hmm. It's not there. And I'd like to see the protection with Machado and Bogarts, uh, behind a Cronenworth because I think it would help Cronenworth out. I think Soto on his own can be on an island. He's he's proven yeah. that before. 
I think if you were to if if the Padres lineup was truly to get optimized, like I think I'm okay with Soto right now taking four at bats a night versus five mm. and giving the extra one to Cronenworth. Yeah. Um just for now. Yeah. That makes sense. We'll see what happens, what they decide to do. It'll be a right-hander, Ryan Nelson, going for the Arizona Diamondbacks in this game. Michael Waka uh, on the other side. But Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, is back, and the Padres need it. A couple games under 500. They've dealt with some injuries. Joe Musgrove should be back uh, pretty soon as well. But a lot going on there. A lot of emotion, i got to believe. But those numbers that you read off for Fernando Tatis Jr. in the minor leagues, I mean, that is my, that is uh, video game stuff, man. That was wild. And hopefully for him, he does do well, right? Because there's got to be some on his shoulders, right? The, the doubt that you said that he'll kind of be sitting there, I think, for a lot of us, the silliness, the bad decisions between the motorcycle, the PED, the shoulder issues that he has gone through. And baseball fell in love with this guy a couple of years ago. Like, this was going to be it, the next big star. He's super fun. Uh, he's got the MLB bloodlines, of course, with his dad in the big leagues, all of it, the monster contract, and it came crashing down. And so he's got a lot of time left in his career uh, to bring it back. So hopefully we see it. Uh, I'll say i got to believe the little extra pressure on him, but it's good to see that he swung a well in AAA. There, there, one last little thought on that one, just because I, I've been around Little League kids the last couple of days. <laughs> little League kids are just happy to see Fernando Tatis yeah. back. Oh, they don't care. I mean, like yeah. the like the real the real people that are going to be like sticklers about it are, are like, you know, eggs on Twitter and and like just just like some grumpy old you know get off my lawn type thing. Yeah. I, I I like he paid the price. He mm-hmm. he paid. He lost a lot of money. Lost marketing, lost good faith, goodwill. Yeah. He lost a lot. Let's mm-hmm. pretend let's not act like he didn't pay the price. He paid the price. Um, now that he's back, I'm telling you, kids could care less. They're happy to see El Nino in a Padres uniform with the dreads and the swag and the flair. Mm-hmm. And if he's anything like he was two years ago, he's a national league leader in homers. Yeah. People want to see that. You want to see that. You paid your price. Yeah, you said you're sorry. I'm over at this at, at this point. I, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. Like you don't have to kiss my feet. You don't have to do anything. Just go yeah. out and play and and just go do you. Mm. Just yep. don't make another dumbass mistake. <laughs> that's, that's the big <laughs> one. Don't do anything stupid. Don't get on a motorcycle. Uber everywhere. Be polite to people. All of those things. Don't give anybody anything, right? That's the big one, I think, for him uh, the rest of the way. So we've been talking some National League West. Uh, we mentioned that the Padres are a third-place team, a little bit of a surprise, and the Dodgers a second-place team uh, after Wednesday, 9 and 10. And, you know, a couple of years ago, they did not bring back Corey Seager, we're very happy to have him here in Texas. They did not bring back Trey Turner. I'm sure they're very happy to have him uh, in Philadelphia. It was supposed to be Gavin Lux as a shortstop this year. Uh, he blows out his knee. He's going to miss the entire year. And so this whole this whole shortstop situation has kind of been uh, in flux for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Miguel Rojas, who they brought over from the Miami Marlins, is now on the IL as well. It has been a disaster. So what are the Dodgers going to do, Spilly? They're going to take their star right fielder, who, of course, was the second baseman coming through uh, in the minor leagues with the Boston Red Sox. And we thought that there was an outside chance. If the Dodgers got Aaron Judge, would we see Mookie Betts play second? Well, it sounds like, Spilly, we've seen him play a little bit of second this year, that Mookie Betts could end up being the shortstop of the Dodgers here, at least in the short term. Good. I, I've i talked to Mookie about this. Playing right field is his third favorite position. <laughs> he wants to play in the infield. Yeah. It's his first love. His first love is in, is in the infield. He said this. He was like, I, my natural position, second base. I couldn't do it because of Dustin Pedroia. Uh, like, I, I had to go to right field because of Dustin Pedroia. 
he turns out to be an elite right fielder. If there was no Dustin Pedroia with with Boston, you would have been talking about Mookie Betts as as his second baseman the entire time. And you, you you would probably look at Mookie Betts like we look at Jose Altuve. You would probably you, you wouldn't have known any different. Yeah. You would know nothing different. It just happened to be he happened to go out there because he was blocked in front. And now he wants to come back. Mm. And 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 I like I've watched this guy play for four year three years now in the National League West. Adore watching him play. Uh, from afar, we adored we adored how he just goes about his business, the stories about the type of person he is. It's all true. <laughs> he's he's a better yeah, human good. than most of us. Yeah. Uh, and like he spends time working on shortstop. He does. He takes grounders there. He's been working with Dino Ebel there, even during the WBC. I watched him take grounders at shortstop after practice was over, throwing balls to Ken Griffey Jr. at first base. He wants to do this. I think he's capable of doing it. I think he's more than capable of doing it. This isn't a novelty to me. Uh, I, I've seen it. I believe it. I think the biggest the biggest thing here, CJ, and you answer this one for me, he's an elite right fielder. Elite. Like the top. Top three in baseball. I have no idea where he ends up being if, if I was to measure him as a second baseman or shortstop. Yeah, I don't know I don't if he's know. top five. I don't know if he's top fifteen. I don't even know if he's. I I don't know if he's top anything. Yeah, right. Like at these positions, because I I I see it. I know he can do it, but we haven't seen it like to the level that he is in right field. Yes. So the people that cut off clips for MLB, MLB, you know, all their social media stuff. The first time that Mookie Betts lays out and throws somebody out of first base, they're going to lose their minds. It's going to be all over the place. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to be fun to watch, right? It's interesting, even this trend of some of these guys that are good outfielders. You know, I just got done watching the Kansas City Royals for three days. MJ Melendez is a really good right fielder. He's their backup catcher. Yeah, he's you know, a he catcher. Game three, it's crazy. Like you know, it's, the point there is the athleticism of these guys, this generation, their ability to play multiple positions really well. Uh, it's pretty incredible. And so we're going to see something we don't see very often, which is a plus defender in the outfield go to a premier position in the infield. Right? It's one thing when you take Nick Castellanos as a third baseman, put him in the mm-hmm. outfield, maybe back at third, and then eventually in the outfield. Right? You're just trying to hold it down a little bit. We see it more with the corner infield positions with the outfielders. It's rare that it's going to be up the middle. Chris Taylor does it, obviously, uh, for the Dodgers as well, but he's not nearly the outfielder that Mookie Betts is. So I think it's exciting uh, to think about what could be. Same thing with Bryce Harper, right? If he ends up playing first base, I had a conversation with Brad Miller, who was a teammate of his. I said, hey, you know, what do you think of Bryce Harper at first? How do you think he's going to do? He goes, I think he's going to be amazing. He's like, he, you know, he's been around him enough. He's like, this guy can do whatever he wants. He's that good. You know, he's going to make a full commitment. He's already out there taking ground balls where he can be a difference maker, not go hide at first base and kind of hold the position down. We know we saw Kyle Schwarber struggle with it a little bit, but it's amazing to me to see some of these plus defenders in other positions, then go to a new position and a prime position and do well. And it just feels like Mookie Betts is going to hold this one down. I can't wait to see it, to see what it looks like. We've heard Dave Roberts talk about him as an infielder before. We thought we were going to see it in the WBC. We didn't really see it uh, that we, the way we thought we were going to, so that didn't happen. But it's coming now. I mean, the Dodgers have been forced to do this, again, after letting a couple of big free agents uh, go, not re-sign them, uh, then to lose Gavin Lux and now Miguel Rojas with the strained hamstring on the IL as well. He's on paternity leave right now, so we have to wait for Mookie Betts to get back from that, which, again, you would assume coming back from paternity leave that he might be down a step or two. 
right? Just the idea of jumping right back in and then to go do it, it at got a new dad position. Strength. It's going to be wild, man, but I look forward to watching it. It should be a ton of fun. It should be. It also points out, again, the flaw with the Dodgers this offseason was that they didn't add the depth that we're accustomed to seeing. Yeah. Um, you know, the the infield last year, of Justin Turner, Trey Turner, uh, Max Muncie, Freddie Freeman, or uh, Gavin Lux, Miguel Vargas, you know, second base is is missed. They miss it already. Um, this is not nowhere near uh, like and, and we said this the other day on Tuesday when we were talking about the Dodgers. The Dodgers are still good. They're mm-hmm. still good. Kershaw but was this great is, the other night. This man. is probably the weakest. This is probably the weakest Dodgers team yeah. name recognition and overall that we have seen. And and they're still you know postseason caliber team. Yeah. Um, but it is a fact they are not the same juggernaut Dodgers. They're not going to win 111 games this season. No. Nope, definitely not. And we'll see. And of course, uh, you know, maybe deadline time they can add the pieces smaller that they need to. It Tim feels Anderson. like it should be a big. It feels like it should be a pretty big uh, off season for them, right? They have the money to spend. They need to get it done. For those who are wondering about the neon lights behind me, uh, Smilly, that's Globe Life Field. That is home of the first place uh, Texas Rangers. We're nice. going to go. We're out of time. Make sure you listen to the show MLB Network Radio. It's on five days a week. 3 to 6 Eastern time. It's myself, it's Brad Lidge, uh, and of course, Ryan Spielborgs that we have on the weekends as well with Chris Jimenez and Kevin Franson. They do that from 10 to 1 Eastern time on Saturdays. As always, we appreciate you listening to the Loud Outs podcast. Have a great day. Serious XM Podcasts.